Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, the show that's all about giving you the skills and insights you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. I'm your host, Sony Thompson, a marketer and a person with a lot of differences. Let's get to it. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know that in the year 2043, The U.S. will become a minority majority, meaning there won't be any race that is more than 50% of the population. In episode three of this podcast, Yesterday's Customers Aren't Today's Customers, I talked about ways I'm personally observing all of these demographic changes real life and in the flesh. But it isn't enough to just talk about these major shifts in the population. I also want to make sure you know what to do about it so you're fully equipped from not only a business perspective, but from an emotional and mental standpoint as well. So I brought in an expert on this topic, my friend Julie Williams, who helps prepare organizations for these shifts in her work on a daily basis. All right, I'm going to shut up now so we can get to the good stuff. Here's Julie. Hey, Julie. I'm just so glad we had to press play because we were just laughing and giggling and getting into it um, before we get started. So I just figured we need to bring the people in. All right. So (laughs) thanks so much for joining. Um, I know who you are. We've known each other for (laughs) decades, right? Um, But tell the people, who are you and what do you do? Well, it is. I'm glad you pressed play. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, Hi, everyone. My name is Julie Williams. I'm the founder of the Project 2043 Institute. Uh, We are an educational consulting firm um, here in the D.C. area, Um, but we support organizations, uh, educators, individuals in the work to become Uh, to create a more equitable and inclusive society. The name Project 2043 comes from the Census Bureau's projection that in the year 2043, the U.S. will no longer have a majority racial group. And so with that projection, uh, for me, when I started the company, it was a lot of, there. I had a lot of questions about, you know, well, what does that mean? And what does that mean on so many levels? And so we do work to help companies explore what that means for themselves, for their members or their staff, as well as for the audiences they serve. Yeah, I I hear this projection and I hear these data and these statistics a lot. But I remember, and I talked about this on an earlier episode of the podcast, where um, I had a moment, a couple of moments where I was experiencing this reality of these demographics in practice. And it can be jarring, um, but just 
it can catch you off guard if you're not looking for it. Um, and I'm somebody who am <laughs> used to diversity. I embrace it. I love it. But I was just like, wow. Um, so let's dive into this. Like, are there any other um, demographic changes that people should be aware of or things that are coming on the horizon in particular in the U.S.? Like, what are the specifics of these projections? Yeah, I think one of the things that is so interesting to me is that it's it's not just a projection of racial demographics, but when you overlay onto that age, it becomes a really compelling story. And so what the the research and what the projections are showing is that um in, you know, by 2043 or around there and even moving forward, uh, we will see that white Americans are going to be the uh, a lower percentage of the population but a higher percentage of older Americans. Meanwhile, uh, Americans of color, people of color, especially if you get to the younger ages, are going to be the majority. However, they are on the much younger side of, of the spectrum. And so that, I think, creates some really interesting scenarios and situations when we think about the needs of the older demographic, which is predominantly white, um, and then the needs of a younger demographic, which is going to be majority people of color, uh, people of one or two or more races. And so what are those needs going to look like, especially if we're talking about brands and consumer needs? You know, I think that's a really interesting um, aspect of these changes that are coming that we don't always think about. We just often a lot of times you know, rest on the, on, on the topic of race, but not really look at how it overlays on some other uh, factors. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, from a organizational standpoint for businesses, for brands, what are, do these changes mean for them from your point of view? Because in some instances, some states, some cities, that 2043 projection already exists. Um, but I wouldn't say that all brands have done the best job of adapting to that. Um, so what are your recommendations on what they should do knowing what's what's coming or what is in some instances? Yeah, I think part of it is, you know, taking a step back and recognizing that the U.S. is changing. It is happening, right? Like there's, there's, there, 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 I think there needs to be an acknowledgement of that, right? We can't be in denial. We can't, you know, it is, it is happening. And so with that acknowledgement, what does it mean in terms of how you uh, lead your brand, your organization into being a place where it can thrive in a, in a, in a society that is diverse? Because many of the practices that we have had so far have not been inclusive have not been welcoming, have not created a sense of belonging. And so acknowledging that it's happening, how do we do that? I think part of it is doing some inner work. Uh, I always start with inner work because I think, you know, just acknowledging whether that feels exciting to you, whether that is terrifying, what, like whatever that feels like, being honest about it, and then looking at, well, what do we do because it's still, it's still, it's still happening? Um, and, and how do we reconcile what we know, what we don't know, and what we need to be doing in order to make this brand or organization thrive in this new environment. Absolutely. All right. So you talked a lot about inner work, and that's important because I think that um, people aren't necessarily always prepared 
or um, they don't might not even know from an emotional standpoint how they will feel whenever they were faced with different scenarios and different situations, especially if they aren't accustomed to being one of only a few or the only one. So I'll give you a quick example. Um, I'm doing some research for a conference that I'm going to be giving a keynote next week. So by the time this podcast airs, I already have done it. So I'm analyzing the data from this research that I did for them. It's for a hotel conference. And I asked them, can you tell me a time where you didn't feel like you belong? I also asked the opposite of it. And, you know, what happened? And someone wrote in all caps, we were the only white family there. I will never go back. Um, And I was quite appalled whenever I saw that. But as I started to think about it, I was like, I bet this person, this family has almost never been in the situation where they were the only, and it was jarring for them. It was uncomfortable for them. And if they can control it, they will never be in that situation again. However, I don't know with these changing populations, that might be something that's even less out of people's control moving forward. So how can people start to get to a place where they're preparing themselves doing that inner work emotionally so that as individuals and then on their job, (laughs) um, they can prepare themselves for the changing, the imminent changing demographics that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking about what you, yeah, those, those all caps. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, I think for people of color, we have to be bicultural right? We have to know, and I am a person of color, I'm a Black woman, we have to know how to operate in environments where we may be the only one. We have to know how to operate and, 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 and find a place of comfort or ability to, to, to be okay in those situations. Um, whereas if, you know, if you're in the dominant race, at least right now, that's not always a requirement, right? That's not something you have to do. But I think part of it comes back to you know, we talk about the inner work, it's being able to reflect on your socialization, I say, right? How did you learn what it means to be human? How did you learn what it means to be in this society? And I think if you're born in this country, or if you immigrated to this country, uh, you probably learned at some point that there's a hierarchy, right? That there are some, you know, there have been a lot of things overtly, but also subliminally shared with you that kind of tell you who's kind of at the top of the food chain and, and who is who is more valued and who is less valued. And I think part of the inner work is challenging that and asking yourself, you know, what did you learn? And why is it that you're so uncomfortable being the only, you know, whoever wrote that comment, why are they so uncomfortable being the only white family? Or, you know, why was that situation so distressing that that was their comment? Right. And and really understand, well, what is the source of, of this, you know, agitation, this discontent, this unease and really unpacking that? Because I think we all we in this country, you know, we've been taught an incomplete, if not entirely incorrect history of how this nation came to be. And when we move forward without hearing from everyone's story there are so many gaps. And so we need to fill those gaps so we can have a more complete understanding of how we got to where we are so that we can move forward. Another interesting thing that I saw as I was analyzing this research um, was that there are people who commented more than once 
I've never felt like I didn't belong, but I'm a white woman. I've never felt like I haven't belonged, but I'm a cisgendered white woman, middle class. I'm aware of my privilege. I saw this several times. And so what you were saying was like that people sometimes, a lot of times, understand the hierarchy that exists. Not to say that they created it, but does everybody sort of play a role? Like if they are aware that this exists and they're aware that there is a bit of a different treatment, what what is the responsibility of people who understand that different people are treated differently because of something as their race, their ethnicity, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you can benefit whether or not you created the system, right? right? It doesn't mean you you don't benefit because you, you weren't there to sign the law, right? Like you can still benefit from it. And so for those that acknowledge there's inequity for those that acknowledge the unfairness that exists and want to create more balance and opportunity. I think part of it is really taking time to understand where those inequities are. Um, And it's something I I heard on one of your other podcasts about, you know, using your power. And it's something that I talk about too, which is really looking at what's in your sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. And so we all have power. We may not have the same amount. We not have, may not have it in the same way, but we all have power to influence what's in our sphere of influence, right? The people we can touch. And so whether, you know, if it's at an organization and you are in a position to um, comment or influence who gets hired for, for a role on your team or what vendors you, you decide to work with for an upcoming project, right? Those are opportunities to identify you know, to expand the pool of candidates to be more inclusive and equitable. Um, if you're looking at, you know, your individual life, you have power over, you know, even where you spend your dollars, right? Are you are you supporting communities of color, businesses of color, because there is inequity in, in that sphere as well. And so, you know, we have the power to do so, but part of it is, is looking to see and noticing, you know, where are these inequities taking place? Wonderful. Um, Okay. So there's two things that you said that I want to make sure that we address. Um, The second one is power. We're going to get to that. But first I want to stick here with the concept of allyship because you hear that term a lot. And it sounds like what people who recognize their privilege um, and want to use their power to do something about that privilege, there's a number of things that they can do. But are there also recommendations that you would have for people on what it actually means to be a good ally? Because I think that sometimes people confuse what it, what that actually means in theory and in practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I like to say, you know, an ally is something someone else calls you. It's not a label that you give yourself because, you know, the person in the community you're, you're aiming to support should be calling you an ally, <laughs> um, you know? And so I think there are a lot, there's a lot of things that can be done. Um, part of it is, you know, really understanding what the needs are, what the real needs are. And I think part of that, you, you get to that by allowing yourself the chance to get more information, to get accurate information. And whether it's tapping into new sources of, uh, from that community, whether it's an LGBTQ plus community, whether it's a, a community of a, of a different racial group um, or a gender identity, 
Um, but tapping into that community, whether it, you know, it could be looking at, you know, people on social media who are, who are advocating for something. It could be, you know, uh, you hear about a policy that's about to be passed in your state or in your community, but look for ways in which you see barriers being, you know, maintained or created that would lead to inequity for a group. And that is just one way um, that I think you can begin to to support a group and, and you know, and hopefully see if, if they would call you an ally in your work to support them. It's kind of like you shouldn't be the one calling yourself an expert. <laughs> Exactly. 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 You, you don't walk into a group and say hi. Right. Right. Hi. I'm an ally. Wait. What? <laughs> Totally get it. Okay. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs in a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to do more for your customers today. So previously, um, so I've heard you mention before that true inclusion is about transferring power. So you've mentioned power a couple of ways in how individuals can exercise their power to help, you know, level the playing field for other people. Can you talk about like just that whole concept of inclusion and power and give some practical um, suggestions or recommendations that people can do to help with that transfer? Yeah. So yeah, inclusion is definitely about sharing power. It's not enough to be invited to sit at the table. If you have no influence on what's on the agenda, if you have no contribution to you know what is being discussed, then you really aren't fully included um, as as an example. And so I think you know the ways that sharing that power shows up is you know in organizations it's it's looking at um, you know setting the topics, setting the tone what what are what are we going to be focusing on? Um, it is in having decision-making ability in a broad variety of areas that affect the organization. Uh, so to, to use your power, I think it's really important to really reflect on what you're currently doing. So if you are sitting in a meeting and you notice, you know, who keeps talking, who's not talking, who's present, who's not present, um, what perspectives are being incorporated, what questions you still have. Um, those are opportunities to, you know, raise your voice and to advocate for the inclusion of what you notice is missing. Um, that's just one example. I think when we, when I think of inclusion personally, it's, you know, looking at my own habits. Am I, you know, I know I gave an economic example before, but, you know, even with what I'm reading, am I looking at content from different authors? Am I watching shows on television or film by, different uh, directors who are, who are going to have a different lens to the stories they tell. It's, it's really about being intentional about 
not just doing the same thing and also broadening your own lens so you can see who else are you, who else could you be hearing from and who you're not hearing from um, for yourself and within your organization. Yeah, I like that there are things that people can do as individuals. There are things that people can do. One of the examples that you gave is who are you spending money with, right? Um, Another one is for what you can do within the teams, like you said, making sure that the right voices are being heard, acknowledging where you're spending your money as an organization. Um, That's a lot of supplier diversity efforts become very important here. And then a third one, I think that it's especially for small business owners who feel like, oh, there's not a ton of things that I can do. Sometimes it's just as simple as amplifying the voices of people who traditionally don't have their voices amplified. So whose content are you sharing? Whose content are you leaking to? Who do you have on your podcast or on your Instagram live or whatever? Those are just small little things that can go a long way in terms of of making a difference. Um, One of the things that I've noticed with this whole power change is that there is even sometimes a hierarchy among underrepresented groups. And sometimes we need to think about, are we fully being inclusive? And are there some groups that we might need to work even harder to elevate than others? So in conferences, for instance, sometimes you see, oh, they have people of color as speakers, but they're Black men, right? Um, there aren't enough Black women. Or you'll see, there, there just seem, seem to be sometimes certain groups that aren't quite as elevated as others. And not to say that one is more deserving of others. I think it's what I'm trying to make sure that I'm conveying is that sometimes a lot of times everybody isn't treated equally and that we need to make sure that as we're transferring that power, we're transferring the power where it needs to go. It's not enough to just say, hey, we've got a person of color represented. We've got a few people of color represented. We've checked the box on inclusion and diversity, not knowing that there is a whole lot of other dynamics at play that makes you just say, all right, we're, you know, there's there's a lot more work and a lot more thought that needs to be gone through it. Absolutely. And, you know, what you're talking about is, is, you know, Kimberly Crenshaw's term of intersectionality and the reality that we all have more than one identity, right? I am more than just a woman. I am more than just a Black woman. There's many parts of my personality, uh, not just my personality, but my identity that, you know, matter to me when I'm you know, listening to something, when I'm watching something, you know, I want to see that reflected in, in the brands and in the people I hear from. And so it's, it's incredibly important to be mindful that it's not about checking a box. It's not about, you know, what we call tokenism, right? Like I put somebody there, be happy. No, that's actually not what it's about. It's, it's about being very intentional and inclusive and creating that authentic feeling of belonging among the people you're aiming to serve, um, which I think goes back to that socialization that, you know, like, how did we come to see people in the way that we do? And why is it okay to quote unquote, check a box 
when we're saying we, we want to do something of service and add value, right? And so it, it kind of pulls it into the humanity of people and acknowledging the humanity of people if we're truly aiming to serve people in the ways that we engage and interact with them. Wonderful. Julie, we could talk all day, right? Like we literally could talk all day on this topic. Any parting words of wisdom for business leaders who want to lean into the power of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, especially as we're in a world that is fastly changing in terms of the demographic makeup that we have? Yeah, I would say, you know, change can be very difficult. Um, A lot of people reject change because, you know, what they know, what's familiar just feels so much more comfortable. It's so much more automatic for them. Um, But the reality is that our nation is changing. And I would encourage people to, instead of looking at it with hesitation or fear or any of those types of emotions, to look at it with optimism and to look at it with excitement about what could be. You know, I look at this with a very um, excited view because there at no point in history, in the history of the U.S. has have people of color been the majority and not just a single group of people, but a, you know, a variety of different groups been such a prominent part of this, of society. And so I think there's so much rich opportunity for all of us in that. And so I would encourage people to, to adopt that type of attitude and perspective and move forward in ways that can help really support and engage the audiences they serve. Very cool. Thanks again, Julie, for stopping by. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Julie had so many great things to share. It was hard to pick just one thing that stood out. Here's what I'll leave you with. Spend time really considering what it looks like in your business and brand to share and transfer power to the people you are working hard to include. Inclusive marketing isn't about extracting from an underrepresented and underserved group. It's about finding ways to elevate the people you want to serve. We covered some of the ways in the episode, and I'm really curious to learn which of those resonated most with you. Send me a note and let me know. That's it for today's show. If you need more help getting started building an inclusive brand, go ahead and grab my inclusive marketing starter kit. You can find it at inclusivemarketing.co slash starter kit. And if you like this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would share it with a friend and even rate and review it in your podcast app of choice. It'll help get the word out so others can get going delivering inclusive experiences. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to make sure more people feel like they do. Somebody's waiting on you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.